this morning I want to talk as we're celebrating Easter, I want to kind of just share an overview of the Bible from cover to cover, the greatest love story ever told. And the love story obviously has a very important part with Easter. And so we want that to be kind of a central theme. And I want us to think about the cross. And behind me I have a cross here. And this morning as we kind of share the greatest love story, I want to do it by using the cross. And so we have a heart up here. And I want you, as you see the cross, I just want you to always remember the incredible love of God. And so first of all, the horizontal piece of the cross, I want you to imagine that as a timeline. And I believe that if you could go as far that way and as far this way, it's again, it's everlasting to everlasting. If you can think of a timeline that has no beginning and no end, that's the timeline that represents God. The Bible says, in the beginning, God. God was there from the beginning. And unlike everything else in our culture, everything has a beginning and an end, but not so with God. God always has been, always will be. The Bible says in Isaiah 44, 6, one of the titles for God in the Old Testament, I am the first and the last. And then I love from Psalms 90, the second part of, of verse 2, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And so as you look at the cross, again, I want you to picture the heart, just representing the heart of God, the love of God, and then to understand that God has always been here will always be here, and again, from everlasting to everlasting. I love how Psalms 90 puts that. And so the Bible says, the love story as far as with earth, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so we have a, an earth here in the middle of the heart. Unlike God, everything that we see has a beginning and has an end. And so we're going to put the, the globe right here in the middle uh, of the heart to remind us that God created everything around us. And that's where it all started, in the heart and the love of God. And then the Bible says that God created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. You know, God had a desire to have a relationship with man. And I just want to share, and I know people have said, why did God create man? Some would say, well, he created man to evangelize. First of all, there was no one to evangelize. Second of all, there was no reason to evangelize because they were in a perfect environment in the very beginning. My belief, this is my opinion, I believe that God created man so that he could have a love relationship. He created Adam and Eve on the sixth day, and so man's very first full day on earth was the seventh day or the Sabbath. And so man, on their very first full day on earth, got to just hang out and love on God. With all of my heart, I just want to tell you how much God loves you. And the most important thing to God is a love relationship with you. And so from the very beginning, God created us, I believe, to have that intimate kind of a relationship. And if you remember back in the garden... God said there's only really one restriction. You can do almost anything you want, enjoy all the trees. There's just one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I do not want you to eat of that tree. And he says, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. 
And so they had so many great things that they could have enjoyed in the garden. But God gave them one thing they were not to do. Now you know that when Satan comes along, he's not going to talk about all the things you can do. But he wants to talk to you about that one thing that God has asked you not to do. And so we all know the story of Adam and Eve. They disobeyed God. And because of that sin, that sin separated them from God. And again, God said, in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, they did not die physically because they were still alive, but they died spiritually. They were separated from God. And again, you can see that what separated them was sin in their life. And so the Bible goes on to say in the book of Exodus, God was going to give them the, what we call the first covenant. And through the Ten Commandments, God was in essence saying to man that if you keep your end of the bargain, I'll keep my end of the bargain and we can get rid of that sin. But as you know, man could never ever live up to the Ten Commandments. As a matter of fact, I think God knew all along we couldn't live up to the Ten Commandments. Now you may say, well, why would God give the Ten Commandments if he knew we couldn't live up to them? I think he gave us the Ten Commandments to show us that we're not able to live up to them. And so sin was always a problem. And even though he had given the Ten Commandments, the problem is, again, we could never live up to our end of the bargain and therefore sin was always a problem. Now, although we judge and sometimes we'll look at our sins as being little and other people's as being big, the reality is in the book of James, when it's talking about the law, it says whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he is guilty of all. So I just want to remind you, not only did Adam and Eve, but the Bible says literally, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so the truth is that all of us have been separated from God because of that thing called sin. And Romans 3.23 reminds us of that, that we've all missed the mark. And so whether you're Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, it doesn't matter. All would say that I have missed the mark. I've, I've fallen short. And the Bible goes on in Romans 6.23 to say that the wages of sin is death. In other words, because we've sinned, what we deserve, that word wage is something that, that you have coming. What we deserve because we've sinned, the Bible says what we deserve is death. And that's not talking about physical death. But death in the Bible merely means separation. When a person dies physically, their spirit and their body separate, but they continue to live. When a person dies spiritually, it just means they are separated from God. And so here's what I believe these two verses are saying. First of all, it's acknowledging every one of us have missed the mark. I don't care how we look to other people. The truth is, not one of us have ever been able to live up to God's standard. And because of that, the Bible says, what we deserve, what we should have coming, we should, and what we deserve is to stay separated from God. But you know, God loved us so much, He didn't want to stay separated. And again, I believe it was in the heart of God for Him to have an intimate relationship with mankind. And so 
as we celebrate Christmas every December, God's love story, God decided, again, God has been from everlasting to everlasting. But there came a point about 2,000 years ago that God chose to come down to earth. And so as the horizontal piece of the cross, again, kind of represents a timeline from everlasting to everlasting, the part of the cross, the vertical part that goes up and down, there was a point that God said, I want to come down to earth. Because we could never ever live in such a way to deserve heaven. And so God was willing to come down to earth. And I want to give you a couple verses here that will be very familiar to you. In Matthew chapter 1, it says, as the angel was talking to Joseph, he says, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. It is such a miracle that God would love us so much. This love story, this passion that God has to have the relationship with us, that he would be willing to step down from his deity. He still was fully God and fully man, but he was willing to come down and take on an earth suit because he wanted to connect and deal with that thing that had separated us from God. The Bible says in John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The first part of John says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, referring to Jesus. And then verse 14, it says again, the word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us. I again just want to tell you how much God loves you, that he loves you so much he was willing to step down out of all of the glory and the splendor of heaven. And even though he was fully God, the Bible also teaches he was fully man. And I love how it says in Colossians 1.15, just a reference here, Paul says in Colossians 1.15 that Jesus was the visible form of the invisible God. And so he loved us so much, and he didn't want to stay separated from us. He realized we could never, ever in a million years ever live up to his standard. So he came down to die on the cross and pay for the very thing that had separated us from God. Again, I want to say to you as you're listening, I hope you feel God just reach down and wrap his arms around you and tell you how special you are to him because I believe part of the Easter celebration is to realize how much he loves us. The Bible goes on in Romans 5 8 and it says, God demonstrated his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't it amazing that before we went to church, it's not a matter of having to do so many good things? It said, God demonstrated how much he loved you. In that while we were still sinners, while you were still rebelling against God, Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. And so the love of God as we celebrate the cross, and again, thinking about the cross representing, again, that, that uh, horizontal bar, the everlasting to everlasting timeline. And as we look at the vertical part that God was willing to come down and take on an earth suit. I love how it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says, For he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. It goes on to say that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So Jesus was willing to come and pay for the very thing that had separated us from God. You say, why would he do that? 
Because again, he loves you so much. He would rather die than to have heaven without you. You're that special to him. I love how Peter says it in 1 Peter 2.24. He says, Jesus bore our sins in his own body. So again, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says he died in our place. We should have been the ones that died. We should have been the ones that paid the price. But only he, being fully God and fully man, was a perfect sacrifice. And again, you would wonder why in the world would he ever go to the cross? It's because, again, he loves you. And so I hope that as you think about the cross, I hope you can always imagine a heart right in the middle of the cross because really nothing displays the love of God more than Calvary. The Bible says in John 15, verse 13, I believe, greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And so one of the greatest displays of God's love was when Jesus died on the cross. And again, he did it for you and I so that we could have an eternity with him. The Bible says, and kind of given a little gospel presentation, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the, uh, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and he says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And so really the gospel message is not just the empty tomb, because most of the time on Easter we celebrate the empty tomb, and that's important. But you know, without the cross, there is no empty tomb. Because whenever the Bible speaks about resurrection, it's always talking about the physical body. And so as we're here on Easter Sunday celebrating the resurrection out of the tomb, we also have to understand that really it began on Friday when he was crucified. And so I believe the gospel message is that Jesus died for us, that he was buried, and that Jesus rose again the third day according to the scripture. So God's love story, again, as he created Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve rebelled against God. And the truth is, We've all rebelled. And you know, everyone who's listening today, I believe that we're all looking for the same thing. I don't know of anyone that's not looking to have love. You know, God created us to want to be loved. He created us to want that connection. And that's amazing because the Bible says in 1 John that God is love. Isn't it amazing that he created us with the desire to seek him and to want him? And undoubtedly, as you're listening, there's probably many things you've tried to fill your life and put in your life to fill that void and to make you happy. But the truth is, I think we would all agree that all the material things in the world can never really buy happiness. That's why Jesus said, what would a man gain if he gets the whole world and yet loses his soul? The truth is, the one thing that you're really looking for, for a peace and a happiness and a purpose in life, is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so again, to know that God loved us, and maybe the verse we've learned as a little child, the verse that we know more than any other verse in the Bible, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave. The reason Jesus came is because God loved you so much and he desires a personal relationship 
with you. And so I always love to see the empty tomb. I love this particular picture of the empty tomb with the shadow of the cross going over the door of the tomb. And again, it's a reminder that Easter is a celebration of him being resurrected from the grave. But more than that, it's a celebration that he's victorious over death, over the grave. And again, just a reminder of God's incredible love for us. The Bible says and just reminds us that all of us have an appointed time to die. You say, why would we, why would we care about the resurrection from the dead? Because the Bible says that every person has an appointed time. Unless the Lord comes back, every one of us is going to die. I think according to the latest statistic, 10 out of 10 people die. You know, now again, we don't know when that is, but the reality is one day we are going to die. This earth suit is going to wear out, but the truth is we're going to live on the other side. There is an eternity, and I want to say to everyone who's listening, a hundred years from this morning, you are still going to be alive. You're going to still exist. You're either going to exist in the presence of God, which the Bible talks as eternal life, are you going to be existing separated from God in the lake of fire, which the Bible refers to as the second death? Not that you die and cease to exist, but that you're forever separated from God. I can't think how sad it would be if you're listening this morning and you know that really there's only one way to eternal life. And that's through Jesus Christ. And so the, the Bible again reminds us one day we too are going to go down. One day we're going to die. And so the Bible reminds us. And I, I, thought, I thought this was kind of an interesting picture. It has, I don't know who this lady is, Barbara Sue, but next to her our tombstone there, she has a parking meter. Now, I've never really seen that, thought it was very interesting. And the, par the parking meter has this on it. It says your time limit has expired and it has the date of her birth and the date of her death but I thought how appropriate just to remind us that one day life's parking meter will come to an end and I wish I could say that we had a certain amount of time I wish I could say we knew how much time we had but the truth is we only know that we have today and I can't imagine if someone really knew that God loved you so much that he died on the cross for your sin so that you might have an everlasting life with him. I can't imagine someone really knowing that and just getting up and walking away saying, I'll take my chances. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, Roger, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait till later in life. I'm, I'm gonna, I want to have some fun. When everything gets kind of not so messed up, I'm going to really commit my life to Christ. The problem with that is, first of all, you don't know how much time you have. Second of all, life is always crazy. There's never a better time to give your heart and life to Jesus than right now. I mean, I, I don't believe there's ever, that's why the Bible always speaks of salvation in the present tense. Behold, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation because we do not know. And the crazy thing is Satan will convince you that somehow if you give your life to Jesus, he'll make your life miserable. And really, it's just the opposite. God wants to give you a joy. God wants to give you a peace. God wants to just love on you. The very thing that you've been searching for all your life, you can have with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And so one day, the Bible says, not only did Jesus conquer the grave as we celebrate Easter, but the Bible says one day we too will have resurrected bodies. Now keep in mind, when we die, what we call death, the, the spirit immediately steps out of the earth suit. I love the last verse of James 2 that says, the body without the spirit is dead. And so when we say someone has died, just understand they're still existing. They're still alive, just not in the earth suit. But while we're on earth, we got to have an earth suit. But I think you would agree, those of you who have some gray hair like I do, that as we get older, this old earth suit starts wearing out. But I just want to tell you, your spirit will live forever. That's why on the inside, I don't know if you would agree, but no matter how old I get, I still feel the same on the inside. I feel like I was when I was a teenager. And sometimes I have these wild ideas that I can go out and play sports like I did in high school. But the old earth suit says, don't think about it. So the earth suit is wearing out, but your spirit is eternally young and again you're going to live forever how crazy would it be to walk away from god and just take a chance that maybe there's another way when the bible clearly says there is only one way the bible says in john chapter 5 all who are in the grave will hear his voice and come forth some to the resurrection of life others to the resurrection of condemnation Again, the Bible says everyone's going to be resurrected. And we're either going to be resurrected to have eternal life with God, or we're going to be resurrected to be separated from God, which the Bible talks about being the second death. And I just wanted to, again, share with all of my heart, if there's any way I could just somehow take God out of my life and give him to you and let you experience him even for a day, I believe your life would forever change. And so Easter is not just about the family, it's not just about, there's a lot of fun things about Easter, but it really is a celebration that Jesus conquered the grave, he conquered the sin problem that had separated us from God. It really is an amazing, amazing celebration. The Bible says here, uh, again, all who are in the grave will hear his voice and come forth. Again, some to the resurrection of life others to the resurrection of condemnation. A couple years ago, I had the chance to go down to Jefferson Barracks, down to the, the, the cemetery there, just a very beautiful, a very moving place to go. And as I sat there with the sea of all the, the headstones there, it amazes me that one day all of these bodies in the grave will come up. Some will go be resurrected to life, Others will be resurrected to death or separation from God. But every single person, every single person that dies, one day that body will be resurrected. And again, that's why Easter is so important to know there's something beyond this life. That's why we need to make that decision today. This was very beautiful. I saw this very powerful. And there, it's a young boy who died at the age of about ten and a half. And he was in a wheelchair if not all of his life, most of his life. But his parents wanted to display the freedom now that he had died physically, the freedom that he had that God had healed him. Isn't this kind of an awesome, powerful image of this little boy getting up out of that wheelchair and just reaching up to the heavens? I believe the Bible teaches that in heaven there's going to be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering. 
All the former things are passed away. And our life on this earth, again, if you think about the, the timeline that God is from everlasting to everlasting, the 33 years that Jesus spent on this earth would be like a dot on this infinite line. Life is so incredibly short. James says life is like a vapor that appears for a short time and then vanishes away. I just want to say the one decision that really counts for eternity is trusting Jesus and knowing that he died for your sin and inviting him into your life. Jesus said this in John chapter 10. He said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And so I know there are people out here that may say there's a lot of different ways to heaven. I've heard some say we're all going to make it. But the Bible says there's one way. And it's not about being Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian. It's not about having your name on a church roll. But it is about having your name in the Lamb's book of life. And so Jesus said, I am the door. There's really only one way to eternal life. And that's through Jesus Christ, because that's the only one who died for us. And he, he bore our sin in his body on that tree. And so up here on the cross, you'll see a doorknob here, just kind of reminding us that it is the cross that's kind of a doorway into heaven. Because it's only through Jesus. And I love how Je uh, Jesus says it in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so you may be listening, your name may be on a church roll somewhere. But I want to ask you, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt, you understood that your sin has separated you from God? You realize that Jesus came, that he died on the cross for your sin. And I believe the Bible teaches that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right in the, in the privacy of your home or wherever you're watching this, right in the quietness of this moment, you can take a moment and just truly acknowledge that Jesus died for you, ask him to forgive you, and just to believe in him and just ask him to come into your life as Lord and Savior. I believe it'll be the greatest day of your life. I can't imagine how thrilling it would be if that everyone who was listening this morning, if we were all on the other side because all of us trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Someone sent this out on Facebook and I thought it was appropriate. It says the biggest problem is not dying from a virus. The biggest problem is dying without Jesus Christ. And can I tell you how true that is? Dying without Jesus has to be the most sad, disappointing. Again, the only thing that really counts for eternity is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I love this particular picture that says, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. And this morning, all of us have come to a fork in the road. Every single one of us make a decision. And today you decide whether or not you're going to choose life and accept that Jesus died for you and ask him to forgive you, are you going to choose to walk away and try some other way? Again, my heart is that every person listening would truly call on the name of the Lord and just really choose life today. I love how Joshua said, choose you this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so we're going to prepare to take the Lord's Supper. And this is something, obviously, we've never done. 
But we're going to take the Lord's Supper together as a church family. And so you may have your own uh, elements that you prepared, and that's wonderful. You may have come by and got some elements from the church. But before we do that, I just want to take a minute and pray. And maybe you're listening today, and maybe you're not sure exactly how to pray. I just want to just give a childlike prayer. And if you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart today, I just hope in the quietness of your heart, if you're somewhere you can say it out loud, that's okay. But the most important thing is from your heart to truly mean business with God. Would you pray with me if you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart? If today, for the first time in your life, you want to know that you know that you know that you have eternal life and you want to give your life to Jesus, I just want you to pray this simple childlike prayer, Dear Jesus, I realize today how special Easter is. I realize that it displays and, and just shows your love for me. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I ask you to forgive me. And right now, I just open up the door of my heart. I invite you into my life as Lord and Savior. From this day forward, my life belongs to you. If you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to let someone know. I want you to contact us. We want to do everything we can to help you, to get you a Bible, to do everything possible to try to encourage you. So we would love for you to contact us. And so we're going to take a minute and we're going to have the Lord's Supper. And again, we've never done this, obviously, by way of uh, streaming. But I want you, if you can, to get your elements together. And if you have your elements as that we hand it out here at the church, there'll be two parts of it. The first part is kind of a clear cellophane. The second part will be a second peel that you peel back to get to the juice. But before we do, I want to take about 30 seconds of silence the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians 11, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. I believe that every time we're able to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we have two things in mind. First of all, we're proclaiming his death. We're going back and we're acknowledging how important that death was in our relationship. But we're also acknowledging that one day he's coming again. That's why he says we're to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes back. You know, the great news is that everything that man lost in the Garden of Eden, when you think back and you fast forward to heaven and, and New Jerusalem, it's going to be so much more amazing in the end. Because God knew all along. And some people would say, why did God create man if he knew man was going to rebel? But yet the Bible says that Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God knew before he created Adam and Eve that they would sin. God knew that his love would be displayed and demonstrated by his son coming and dying for us. How in the world could we ever look at Jesus and not understand how much he loves us? And so again, I hope you feel and experience the love of God in a very special way today. So let's take about 30 seconds, and if you're, as a believer, if you're going to participate with the, the, the communion, the Lord's Supper with us, would you just take a moment of silence, and I just want you to thank the Lord for that incredible love that he showed on Calvary, 
I just want you just to receive that love and just feel that love wrap around your arms. And so if you're a born-again believer, we invite you to join us, participate with us as we celebrate this incredible gift. Let's have about 30 seconds of silence, and I know that seems a little bit awkward, but I just want you just to listen to the Holy Spirit. Let's just love on Him in silence together. So if you take the bread out, Jesus said, take and eat, this is my body which is broken for you. And each time you eat it, I want you to remember me. I just want you to think back to Calvary as you take the wafer. And then as Jesus passed the juice, he said, this cup represents a new covenant in my blood. And each time you drink it, I want you to remember me. So as we drink, I just want you to again, just think back to that moment that you accepted Jesus Christ. And it could have been literally just a moment ago. But I just want you to thank him for that incredible gift. Love you guys. I hope you have an amazing Easter. I know it's, it's uncharted territory, but we're seeing God do some amazing things. So just want to encourage you to continue to allow God to use you to reach out to family and friends, stay in touch, contact. I know God is up to some great things. It's an honor to come to you by way of streaming today. And again, hope you have an amazing Easter. Let me pray for you as we close. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for my brothers and sisters who are listening. I pray for those who receive Christ as their Lord and Savior today. I pray, Lord, that you would just fill them with your love and joy. Give us an amazing Easter. Father, help us to celebrate the incredible gift of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Love you. I'm out here walking on the trail. I got this coronavirus on my mind. And I know if we stay close to Jesus, he will protect us in the end. There's an old gospel song that reminds me of walking close to Jesus. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus keeps me from all wrong. And I'll be saddest fight it alone as I walk let me walk close to thee just a closer walk with thee
Granny Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. This is God's country. Thank you, Jesus, for walking along with me.